I like it. And, and then, then we throw work. it down and see what he can do with exactly. it. Exactly. We we let uh, John see what magic the, I can uh, do with the blanks and the uhs and the ums. And Welcome to I, Bay Floor Discussion. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's our intro. <laughs> Stop, delete, and go. Ready, Ed? Welcome back, back everyone. Uh, so our Father's Day episode, as Eric so kindly pointed out. And uh, we have another guest here, as always. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Steve Plimpton. I'm a firefighter paramedic in a town on the other side of the lake that I won't name. Uh, I've been in fire and EMS since 1993. I was a dispatcher for 20-some-odd years, different places around the country. Decided that sucked come back to the good stuff and uh i've been full-time for three years now and 12 years away from retirement nice who's counting (laughs) and what on earth makes you want to come talk to us (laughs) well he knows things that i don't want him to say in public so i figured i gotta keep him happy right i've known him for a very long time and i'm pointing to brian for all you podcast people and john i've known for i don't know maybe Five or six years. Yeah, a while. When I was at United for a private ambulance service that right. covers Bridgeton and Lewiston. <laughs> I like that. Like most of our guests have been in fire and EMS longer than you've been alive, Ed. Yeah, it's yeah. my favorite. They show up and they're like, oh, hey, is it, how's it going? And I'm at the end of the table, like, I'm, I'm going to take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for introducing yourself because I have no idea who you are. <laughs> <laughs> So I think uh, we're just kind of shotgunning things today. Um, As usual. Kind of going over topics we've already talked about uh, and just kind of summarizing it for people because uh, maybe you haven't listened to us. I don't blame you. But <laughs> we'll, we'll get you up to speed. Well, it's all about perspectives. We're getting a different perspective yeah. on... From the other side of the yeah, lake. From the other right. side of the lake. We're going, from be- we're going beyond the river now. Past the lake. We can't... We can't <laughs> <laughs> Scratch. Get my note card ready. <laughs> All right. John just finished saying, I don't edit anything anymore. Right. That's um, gone. Nope. Right. It's, on, nope. It's, in there. it's in there. All, All right. You're going to own it now. I'm on it. I don't care. I got broad shoulders. They can yell at me. All they want. All right. <laughs> so, first topic is training. Education. So how are things in your neck of the woods as far as um, working with the towns around you or getting your, your training numbers up? I'm, I'm very fortunate that the uh, town I work for, we're surrounded by other towns that have similar mentalities as us. Uh, training is it's number one. Uh, we have a lot more resources available to us, a lot more people. Uh, um, we have a neighboring community that just got a... Uh, training building at a local university um, that we've been doing uh, search training, VES training. They're going to be burning it down, doing several burns next weekend, I believe. Uh, but the training is a very, very big deal. Um, and just so if anybody's curious, I work for the town of Standish. Uh, so we, we work closely with Gorm, Wyndham, and uh, some other smaller communities around. 
and uh, it's it's a very training is just such a huge huge topic because the uh, the people running the shows now in these departments they're younger. It's not the old fuddy duddies anymore. Uh, we've got a lot of younger guys in charge of training and uh, coming up with different ideas. So we're just it's a, it's a constant. It's almost like a lifestyle now. You go to work, you train. That's just the way it is. So that's something we haven't really talked about. With uh, full-time departments, uh, are you training on duty? Is it training like after hours? We, I mean, generally we've had trainings, um, you know, six o'clock later or or weekends. Weekend. Yeah. 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 Uh, we do a little bit of both. Um, for example, I did a uh, a basement fire training for just the on-duty crews. I don't know, maybe six weeks ago or so. Um, I invited other people off duty. We had maybe six or eight people show up, which is fine. Um, That's a pretty good turnout. We'll do weekly trainings where it's more in depth and more involved, and we usually get fifteen or twenty people to show up. Um, so we we kind of like to to mix it up a little bit. Um, we might fly by the seat of our pants and just we're sitting down. There's no calls. We're not doing anything. Let's go throw some ladders. Let's do some ladder training. Uh, let's go. We, we just switched over to the Minuteman load. Switch Ooh. over, switch over, man. It's the way to go, Minuteman. I've tried. <laughs> not, a, not a lot <laughs> of people. I think we're, we just talked about that, didn't we? We've talked about it probably for eight, ten years. No, but now. weren't you on a call? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, mostly around here, we have straight loads and triple A. Yeah. I'm a triple A guy. You would be. I like it three times. <laughs> yep. So, so, yeah, we just. So has it always been like that, that they're so gung-ho about training? Because no. you, you mentioned that you have younger guys that are gung-ho. Like a lot of the departments around here, we even have younger people, but they still don't seem interested in training. And it's hard to kind of get people on board and get that mentality type of thing. Right. And I, I've seen that before. I, I think where it changed was when we switched to uh, having full-time staff. Okay. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's a mentality of we're trying to show that we're valuable, but we are. We are trying to show that we're valuable. You're, yeah. you're paying us to be here on a full-time basis. Uh, we have two full-timers and two per diems 24-7. That's our staff. I was going to ask, kind of what's, a, what's a layout? What's the staffing like? So we have a, a minimum of four, uh, two full-time at two stations, two per diem, and then during the day we'll have chiefs, dep deputy chiefs. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a unique setup where our full-time mechanic is also a firefighter. Nice. And our animal control officer is also a firefighter. So we... We've tried to pluck as much yeah, as we kind, could. Kind of bridge the... Exactly. It's like we, we can't justify just the ACO possibly or just the mechanic, but throw them in, you know, they're fire trained. Yeah. You can justify that to the taxpayers. Nice. And, and so you said two full-time and two stations. So you run four full-time? We, we run two full-time and two per diem. Okay. So every each full-timer has a per diem partner. I got you. So... So one full-timer per station. Right. Okay. Correct. Yep. And it, and it works out well, and, and it, it was almost a pride thing. Once we started with full-time staff, uh, we, we just want to show, obviously, the, our bosses and the, and the taxpayers that 
yes, we're, we're here for a reason and we're worthy of, of this, but we also want to set that example to the call company and the per diem members that, hey, listen, we're, we're serious about being here and, and being the best we can be. Right. And, and try to have that trickle-down mentality of pride. Yeah. So. Ownership. Oh, exactly. Well, that's good. So when you do your trainings, uh, is it is it mostly in-house or do you do you try and reach out to your surrounding communities as much as possible? Um, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, if we we had an acquired structure God, a year and a half ago and we held a writ class because we figured uh, writ in a concrete building versus writ in a real house. I mean, that's extremely valuable. Absolutely. So we invited other neighboring towns to join us and they did we had a really good turnout uh, so we we don't just say you know it's us it's our building we're gonna do this ourselves because we, we work very closely with uh, Wyndham Gorham Baldwin Sebago we, we have a lot of mutual aid communities that we work very closely with and uh, some of them you cover EMS right yeah we cover Baldwin EMS that's that's our responsibility uh, we do a lot of mutual aid to Lymington yeah. um, a lot of intercepts with outlying even further Saucopee and Limerick and uh, other towns like that. So we, we have a, uh, a large area and a lot of people that we're either responsible for directly or indirectly. Yeah. So and we, we'd like those people to at least have a little bit extra training. If, if we can provide it, why not? It's yeah. it better, just betters everybody. Everybody. So, yeah. yeah. So you talked about the, the like average age changing with uh, full time. Did you notice a difference in uh, recruitment for your call company at the same time? For for a while, it was kind of flat, um, but in the past couple years, we've gotten some some younger people, um, high school graduates, college kids, uh, I, and I, I I can't say why that happened, but we we seem to be turning that making that turn to getting younger people interested again. Um, I, part of it's probably the live-in student program, which we were talking about yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and I think just the word gets out because with social media, that's what young people do. They just right. talk on Facebook and face tweet and all that other <laughs> stuff. So. Face tweet. And, yeah. yeah. So so what does it take to do a live-in program? What, what makes that so difficult? Well, for, for us here is space. We don't so, I mean, I guess just to spell it out for people that don't know what's, what's involved in a, a live-in program. So around here, SMCC has a fire science program, and uh, you can open up your station, and essentially you're subsidizing the college student in turn for uh, working shifts at the fire station. So we give them a place to live, um, and and in return, they they work shifts. Yep. That's probably the down and dirtiest version of it, yeah. right? So yeah. And, and every department is a little different. Um, some departments, the live-ins don't do a heck of a lot um, because they have a lot of full-time staff. So they're kind of limited on, you know, wash the fire trucks and right. if there's a working fire, you can go. In, in Standish, for example, our live-ins do just about everything. Nice. Um, they're operating apparatus. They're doing their fire one and two. They're, they do an academy every summer before they start or just yeah. after they start. 
Um, so it, it's it's been invaluable. Yeah. I mean, we have two or three depending on the year. Yeah. And it's just it's huge. We it's a huge asset in, in a pool to pick oh, from. It's, you know? it's huge. Well, and they're getting real-life training. Right. You know, instead of sitting in a classroom or doing it at some training facility, they're actually getting on the road hitting these calls with some senior guys and, and learning some things in the yeah. real world. Kind of like when I, we talked about it one time was, was find a job with your hands, yep. right? Find a vocation and and then... Right. Wasn't that, a, wasn't that episode, though, don't join the fire department, yeah. pick up a trade? Yeah, yeah be a tradesperson first and then And then maybe come join the fire department. <laughs> right. A plumber or a carpenter. Yeah. Right. Yes. No, I think that's, that's huge. Not only are you getting just the general experience of running calls, but when you're there as a living, you're there every day and you get to work with different people. Exactly. I think that was big. When I first started, I, you know, it seems like the same people pick up the same days. So when you start off and you're running per diem shifts, as someone that's just gotten out of you know your EMT classes, just gotten your EMS license, and you're working with one person who works one specific way, it's it's really kind of difficult when you start working with somebody else, and then like things don't don't flow very well. If you're if you're new and you're trying to learn things, you can kind of fall into a pattern, and then as soon as that pattern doesn't doesn't cooperate that patient doesn't cooperate and follow your normal pattern it can throw you way off and then you're just like completely lost exactly the amount of times i can think of where i was like running a call and then my partner comes and does something that i'm not used to and it just was like what do i do now (laughs) is this my call is this your call what's going on (laughs) it's some of the kids that the program's been around for i don't know 20 or so years maybe Um, we, we've had kids just in our area in Standish, Gorham that have gone on to Atlanta, Boston, Portland. Yeah. They're officers now. Uh, it's, it's invaluable for them and it helps out the communities immensely. It's a very good program. It's fantastic. You know, it's the SMCC fire program is, is very well known, very well known, not just, not just here locally and in southern Maine, but far, far reaching. We get a lot of students from Connecticut and Vermont. Yeah. I don't know if they just advertise more in those states, but just an inordinate number of kids from those two and sometimes further. So really to operate that program, you you have to have obviously a place for them to stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm assuming there still has to be some sort of curriculum within the fire department. Yeah. Yeah, there's gotta be something that they have to follow for guidelines anyways. Yeah, there's usually a mentor. Uh, each department has a, has a mentor or yeah. an officer of some kind to kind of guide them, keep, keep up on their grades, um, and follow whatever requirements are set forth, keep them on the straight and narrow. I, I think Gorham was probably on the forefront of this. They were one of them, and, yes. And uh, Mike Kuzma was, was very, very involved with... Um, the, the live-in program and and taking it further than I think some have um, with actually educating them, you know, real-world skills, you know, real stuff that you're going to see. And and that, again, that, that makes the students excited because they're actually getting to do the things that they're learning about as well. Yep. Well, on top so, of that, this, the discipline, like they can't just live at the station and not, 
like they have to wear certain apparel, they have to do oh, certain yeah. things because yeah. they're in the public's eye, no matter who shows up. Right. Yeah. You know, plus they have curfews and and there's a lot of other rules. They can't yeah. just free for all. Yeah, it's not just to show up with your duffel bag and yeah. throw out your sleeping bag on the cot. It's <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you definitely you, you have to apply yourself um, to to get a spot and then to stay there. Exactly. I'm jealous. I, I wish that program yeah. was there when I was oh, able I to. I, I so would have jumped on that chance. Yeah. I think this is kind of a cool topic to fall into because we kind of started with, with saying it, but um, we have like kind of a weird age gap in the fire service, at least around here, where you have some of the older folks that have been doing it forever. Uh, they've gotten the experience of, of actual fires that we, we really don't get as much of anymore. Right. And, um, you know, they've, they've seen a lot of change. And then you have people that have just started, you know, some of the juniors that start. And it's it's almost hard to teach them because you can teach them from a book all day long. You know, what's what's John's phrase there? He, they won't learn until you toss them into a burning building. Right. But uh, it, and it's it's hard because you you can have these people that have all the stories of burning buildings and it's, it's that, nothing, you know? It's actually one of the things I've been trying to teach more and more as I teach classes is not just A, B, C like the curriculum teaches. I want them to, I want to give them a set of skills and then put them in a situation where sometimes they have to go A, C, then B. I want them to be able to critical think versus, you know, cookbook firefighters or cookbook EMTs. Because that's, see, like, what I've seen lately, that's what we're producing, and it's scary. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Where the, where the, even the basic, you're like, all right, do this. Well, I haven't put oxygen on you. Well, that's well exactly they're bleeding what I was to just death, saying. so let's, exactly. let's, do, let's handle that. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's it, handle it was, the thing that's going to kill them first. It was weird to come out of EMS with a fresh license yeah. and then go to my first patient. I still remember a call, one of our first calls together. It was a multi-vehicle accident with like three or four patients. I get an ambulance and I start talking to patients and I go up to you and you're still standing in the middle of the road. And you're like, what do you want me to do? I was like, just pick somebody. Go, <laughs> go start talking to people. I still remember that. But that's what these classes are producing. Oh, they like, they yeah. teach you what to do with a patient. Not, not what to do when you're on the scene to right. find the patient. <laughs> right, right. But so even then, I remember a few of my first calls and... You know, EMS class, okay, are they breathing? And then you go down the breathing checklist. Are they bleeding? Or they go down the, the bleeding checklist. Seems safe, BSI. Right. And meanwhile, this person sitting still over the that. corner like, I'm not breathing, you know? Like, or the meanwhile, medic, the, the medic medic's like, you're going, putting on gloves, gowns, exactly. gloves, on, and a medic walks over with a bare hand and just plugs the hole. <laughs> I, exactly. I tell the new people, I tell the new people all the time, the, the classes, whether it's fire or EMS, uh, will teach you enough to get the license yep. which gives you permission to learn how to become an EMT right. or a firefighter I tell them I, I'll teach them enough to get them killed <laughs> or sued <laughs> one or the other <laughs> and then like but I've been in court like it's not part of the curriculum but I've been um, well Eric and I talk about this like I want like the Rick class coming up I want them we're going to teach them a bunch of basic skills but they have to be able to piece it together and think critically or you can't pass this class right like it's not an A, B, C, then D thing. You've got to be able to work your way out of um, awful situations and come out alive. Right. Use the tools in your toolbox. Right. That's all they are is tools. Absolutely. I mean, that's everything we, we teach anyone. You know, 
if you can't apply it critically, then it's worthless. Right. You know, tools only as good as the person using it. But I think we've, what I was trying to get at with that is that we've got a, a generational gap where you can't, it can be kind of difficult to relate someone that first started and has just read these things from a book and has never put on like a steel tank, you know, has never, yeah. never gone into a building without a, um, without a hood on. Well, you know, we can't, these we, we things, can't do that. I, but, yeah. I, but that's Not what anymore. I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like some of you guys have learned, you know, what's too hot because you didn't, weren't wearing a hood and you, you knew that and you, or but you can car like, fires without any SCBA packs on. Well, you still do that. No, I don't. Man. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's getting edited out. <laughs> not in this town, he doesn't. Yeah, not in any town, Ed. <laughs> I used to do it. Right, right, right. Uh, but there, there's, you know, you may have learned something because of the transition where these newer folks never got a chance to transition. They just learned what was in the book and now they need to figure out how that actually works in real life. And that's something that I think is going to be difficult to address when we're talking about, uh, you know, recruitment and reten retention. We can get all these kids from, from Connecticut and Vermont that are coming up and learning these great classes and doing the live-in programs and whatnot, but you're going to get someone, unless they've done a live-in program in a town that has a decent call volume, you're still going to get someone that learned out of a book Right. And needs to learn how to use it critically and to how how to adapt it to real life situations. But to, to jump on that, John and I've talked about this a little bit before. With some of the curriculums coming out now as instructors, we're relearning and learning new oh, techniques absolutely. that are coming out. So we've got to like go through the curriculum before we teach it. So we're taking what our knowledge is and what we've learned and adding it to this new stuff and that's then put, trying yeah, to put it all yeah. together. That's happened a couple of times. We'll be reviewing the curriculum and we're like, like that's not how when the did I they do start it. doing this? Yeah. Yeah. That's not how I learned. Now, now yeah. let's, let's go do it and see if it actually works. Right, well, right. so this RIT class coming up, the last time I did a RIT class was in 2012. Well, some things have changed. <laughs> you know, it's like, holy smokes. So what do we do as instructors? We get back in the new additions and we relearn and and find different ways of, of things that that we were taught right but we that's also a good point too we, we keep an open mind because a lot of instructors will be like this isn't the way i was taught no you're going to learn it this way luckily we keep an open mind like we may have some choice words about it like oh crap, seriously but <laughs> what i like about my classes is if there's something that i i've seen or i thought of I have my students do it as long as it's safe. <laughs> right. Let them do it, and I watch to see if it actually works. And I'm like, as long as they're not going to get hurt, we're good. Yeah. But you're like, hey, I saw this on YouTube. Try this and see what happens. Oh, no. And then you just stop them before something bad happens. Right. Like, whoa, whoa, okay, that, let's stop doing that. Right. Let's go that back the other way. Right. That doesn't look right. <laughs> That's not what I saw. Just <laughs> as a disclaimer, this is not a YouTube fire department, okay? <laughs> so... Uh. All right. Like What's John, your next topic? It's like John learning jujitsu. Hey, I saw something the other day. <laughs> Let's try it. Let me hit you in the ow, throat. Ow, 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 ow. All right, it works. <laughs> oh, that was that's happened a couple times. Definitely not on duty. Right. Oh. No, that's good. <laughs> not in this department. Not in this department. Right. Or when Gretchen walks in, what are you guys doing? Mind your own business. Wrestling. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Okay, personnel. 
What, what about personnel? We I just talked know. all about it, man. I th- I yeah, like I think we kind of covered that. Next song, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got the re- list. Yeah. No, um. Crap. Recruitment <laughs> and retention. We, we kind of hit on that, too. That. Pay attention, Jesus. John. Could you Well, you read, know what? Please. <laughs> well, you, we have personnel, recruitment, and retention. Well, recruitment and retention. You were talking about how you, you've got some newer members coming in. You don't know quite how. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything you guys actively doing over in your area to try to pursue these people? No, no, we're not. <laughs> so I they're just like, coming in the door. They're, they're coming in the door. Um, we just got one new member who, I, if I remember correctly, he got hired as a per diem and. Then he somehow got himself into the uh, live-in program. I believe he, I don't know if he was enrolled in SMCC or enrolled after the fact. Well, he's one of our new live-ins now, which is fantastic. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, former military guys that just came in. Uh, did you, you don't have like an open house no. or like any type of program to try well, to pursue these people? We did, we did before the, uh, the before the thing that, the thing that like we don't want to talk, talk the, about. The vid. That, uh, so so actually you know what let's let's go back for a sec how did you incorporate or how did you handle and manage training over the last year Mm. good question brian it's it's kind of interesting we had we had a training lieutenant we kind of still technically do i guess ish we're kind of in a flux right now yeah um really trainings have been put on we we uh promoted a new captain uh, actually, two new captains, uh, both very young guys who work career in other departments. Nice. And they are very smart, very talented, and very motivated. Awesome. I think it's just luck of the draw. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, over the last year, I think that's why we've done so much training. Yeah. We could have promoted a couple of guys that were at the end of their career and didn't care and just moved on, and right. we would have been stagnant. Status quo. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think it's it's been very lucky for us who who we promoted and encouraged and that's great. It's it's really been a, a positive thing for everybody. But awesome. I think what we we're trying to get at is like, did, did you guys zoom? Like, did you meet in person? Like, how how did you guys actually physically do your trainings through this pandemic? Um, we did more online stuff, uh, on shift stuff. Obviously, we have to be there to work, so. Uh, if anybody wants to come down while we're here on duty, come on down. Uh, the past few months, obviously, we've, we've been planning weekly trainings. Yeah, ramping it up now. Trying yep. to get, if there's so much as a thing is, is Have you had an up. issue getting people back out of their caves and into They've training? They've been excited to come out oh, really? and get their hands dirty. We did, uh, was it about a month, month and a half ago, we did a uh, just uh, pump training on like the forestry our gigantic forestry truck and some of our uh, other utility trucks and we just set them out in the parking lot and did some drafting and uh, messing with some of the equipment and we set up different stations and i think we had 21 22 people show oh. up on a on like a wednesday night at seven o'clock and do your per diems and full-time members show up for those trainings it's mandatory if you're on duty you go to the training i know but but the people off who are off duty uh some some do, yeah. Uh, oh. So a lot of, our, of those are your volunteer, yeah. your on-call. Yeah, exactly. So, so what's one your, thing we didn't touch on, what, what are your demographics? What do you have for full-time, per diem, and call company? Uh, so for full-time, we have uh, four full-time medics. Um, the two of us are 
we'll just say over 40. And uh, mm. two are in their one, one, two are in their early 30s. Nice. Uh, we also have four advanced EMTs. Um, full time? Full time. Actually, I'm sorry, three advanced EMTs and one paramedic over at uh, Steep Falls. Nice. Uh, so they're all very young. One of them is a former live-in. He was up until last year. He was one of our live-in students. Oh, awesome! So that is that's another beautiful thing another, about the live-in program. Exactly, is, is you can actually take them, and and if they stay, they're trained they're, on all the equipment. Right, they know the department, the people. Boom, right in right. there. So um, that's kind of our demographics of full-time per diem staff. Just like everybody else, we share. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's don't, a, I don't know if anybody just It's not even a giant pool anymore. It's oh, it's a, a small, it's small Small pool. to medium, but more small. Yeah. And, yeah. And Swamp, e- marsh. Medium. Yes, <laughs> marsh. It's marsh. Let, let me Swamp, tell you what to expect. Lands. Right. <laughs> let me tell you what to expect with There's some muddy area over here, nice green land over here, <laughs> alligators over here. Best luck. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to love this in a few years. If it happens to you, hopefully it won't, is now the per diems, they don't want to work nights anymore. Nope, that's happening to it, us now. Yeah, no, it's happening. <laughs> okay. Like, so, we, like our biggest, like we have, a de- we have a good per diem staff, and I want to keep it that way. Like we have some good members, um, but we have probably, I don't know, 25% that want to work Monday through Friday, day shifts, don't want to work weekends, don't want to work nights, and don't want to work holidays. Yeah. And actually, we were discussing this before you arrived because we we're trying to figure out how are we going to fill the next holiday and all the people that work holidays and have worked through the pandemic are out of town. They're getting out of here. And now all we have is this small group of people that don't want to work nights, right. don't want to work weekends, and don't want to work holidays. It, it, it's, we're all dealing with it. It's, it's the same very small group of people. Yeah. Yeah. They work full-time typically somewhere else. Um, and I'll be perffectly honest I'm one of them I, I work per diem shifts in Standish uh, usually one a week um, but I'm away from home two nights a week for my regular shift right I yeah. don't I don't want to spend any other nights at a fire station I don't care right. who it is right, right. and that's yeah. now with your ever shrinking group of people they're all thinking the same thing right so that's that's just for another challenge for listening to want to fill your night shifts go ahead give me a call (laughs) yep anytime uh my email is and yeah and and if you find people that like the overnights send them across the lake right negative no because i have to fill my (laughs) night shifts first Out there, I haven't been contacted for those. So, 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 yeah, yeah, you have. So, leapfrogging a a little bit, retention wise, like, what do you think would be a way that we can fix this problem? Do you have like some sort of idea in your head that maybe would help us out? And, like, what is let's area? We know you have some thoughts, yes, (laughs) opinions. What are your thoughts, and what is your area doing to try to hold on to the people they have now? You, as the budget guy, chief, Uh, money. It's mm. money. You need, hire, you need to hire yeah. full-time staff. Yeah. And I, I have a pretty good uh, working relationship with our town manager. We're very fortunate. Nice. Um, and we talk about a lot of different things. And full-time staff is the only way to go. It, it's it, Talking about that, it, it's crazy in smaller towns like this, and people just see dollar signs. And, yeah. Um, when, when you have full-time staff, you as that town or that department, you own them. I mean, that's kind of a 
kind of a crude way of looking at it, but it's, it's control. Their, it's the full-time job. You know, we have X number of full-time people. Right. There they are. Yeah. Um, well, we were very fortunate this year. We, I, I asked for four full-time positions um, to get the full-time program up and running, mm -hmm. and, and it was overwhelmingly supported. It, it used so. to be a, almost a luxury. I mean, a smaller well, community, like, like you, you want full-time people. What, yeah, you don't need same? that. Yeah. yeah. Now people yeah. are saying, well, well, I don't know. Maybe you do need that. Yeah. We want to call 911, and somebody needs right. to show up. Right. I honestly think it's, it's, it's a mixture. I think it's half and half. One is money. One, you need full-time staff because, like you said, we're a small marsh that we're trying to pick from. <laughs> right. And we're sharing employees. So if we have that full-time staff, we can make sure that we have designated people for those shifts. However, I've experienced um, from other places that it's not just money. You can offer them... The environment does have a lot to do with uh, this. You can huge. offer them a ridiculous hourly wage, and you're still, no one wants to work there. You're absolutely right. I've seen that, too. I'm it doesn't matter how much money you throw at some people. Trying to be good, Eric. You're doing a very good job, John. <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, it's not, you know, it, it I, comes down to the dollar. Well, it I really think does. A lot of what you're talking about is what we've talked about before. Like you said, locking it in. You know, uh, when, you, when you don't have a hired either per diem or uh, full-time staff, you cannot guarantee coverage. You can't. It cannot be done. Yeah. So when you have a quote-unquote volunteer department and there, a call goes out and nobody responds to it, everybody's all shocked. Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Like yeah. that's, That is a warning and a giant disclaimer that went out to you when you said you didn't want full-time coverage. That, let me tell you what the definition of not being covered full-time is. <laughs> <laughs> the days of having 17 people show up to a fender bender. They're gone. Are, yeah. They're not there anymore. Yeah. I mean, people work further away now. Mm -hmm. uh, people work crazy hours in their regular jobs. They, so Nights, weekends, and holidays. So just right. real quick to finish up the question before, you went full-time per diem. What does your call volume look like? Yeah, not call volume, but you're, you call people. Your volunteers. Yeah, well, what, do you, what do you have for call for? For strictly call company members, if I had to estimate, I'd say we probably have maybe 10. Active? Active. And six of them are fire police. Wow. Yeah. My um, numbers how are many do you six. have? How many do you have on the roster? 80. Yeah. I know towns like that. Every single town is like that. Yeah. The ugly truth. Yep. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and some places hide it. They're they're afraid to show it, which I don't understand. If you don't show it, you're never going to fix it. Exactly. And if you're just worried about looking bad, like that, that's the wrong reason because something bad is going to happen. You're going to look bad one way or another. Exactly. Yep. The horseshoe is only going to last so long. And from a uh, like an officer standpoint, we've talked about it before too. When you see those those names that are on the list that you just haven't seen around, reach out to them and figure out why they aren't there anymore because it may be that they don't have time and they have to take a you know take a step away from it or you'll run into a situation where maybe they were uncomfortable with something and they haven't been around because of that and that's something you can fix right or I identifying those issues that no one really wants to talk about but once you right. talk to them you go oh well, i had no idea right why wouldn't you tell me right, right. just so disappearing steve over over in your area we mm -hmm. talked about um 
talked about bringing new people in, but does your area do anything to keep the people that you have other than trying to keep your pay rates in a decent range? Like, do they have award ceremonies or gatherings a couple times a year or a coffee mug for EMS week? Yeah. So, something. <laughs> you got a coffee mug? No, we, we didn't get coffee. <laughs> oh, we got a shirt. Get anything? I forgot we got a shirt. He's wow. wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see past this. No, I can't. I have no excuse. You would laugh if you could see my face right now. <laughs> Mostly just the mustache. The for mustache, all of you out there listening, the only person in the room actually wearing their EMA shirt is Chief Gold. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm off duty. And it's Saturday e- night e- at EMS 10 minutes of 8. <laughs> John and I are wearing... Well, does his say EMS on it? Yeah, well, fire, fire rescue. Red. That's fine. So, so yeah, Steve, are, they, are you guys doing anything <laughs> no, like that? No, nothing. Not really, no. Uh, that was more that again. That was a thing that when we were more um, closely knit. Yeah, you know, where it was a tighter group twenty years ago. We're kind of mercenaries now. Uh, the vast majority of our per diem staff works full time other places. Ooh, I like that mercenaries. Medic, medic mercenaries. Yeah. I, I see a T-shirt or a hat. I'll say, John answer. just got the tactical side of things, and now he's all excited. No, it's it's so true. That's like the perfect yep. description of it. Pay me. Um, yep. <laughs> a, a lot of the staff that you know they work full time other places. Every place is getting busier. Uh, some of these people get promoted in their full time departments, and they just don't have the time anymore. Um, Why would I work a twelve hour shift there when I can work an eight hour overtime shift right. and make twice the money? Exactly. And I, and any sort of any sort of answer like that is, I mean, you can't argue it. No, nope. not at <laughs> so. all. Well, I think the calls have changed too. I mean, we touched on it a little bit earlier, where there used to be a lot more structure fires. You don't see as many of them now. Now it's, what is our call volume? Eighty-five percent EMS. Oh no, it's more than that. Didn't we just do this for our Officer One project? Yeah. I- I don't remember. It's it's closer to ninety something. Right. So even yeah. better. I mean, so not even better. That's well, right. yeah. you to prove my point, closer to proving my point. Yeah. If ninety percent of your calls are EMS, your volunteer folks are not going to run EMS calls for the most part. Right. And then when you don't have those folks coming around, they're not going to be the ones that sit around and tell stories and hang out and whatever else. So now you've only got ten percent of your calls where people are actually going to come and interact with each other. So why are you going to have these big events that are meant to socialize with people that... I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we showed up on a call for a car accident. You were on the other side of the road directing traffic. I've seen, That's your, all I know I've seen your name on that paper on the wall, but I've never met you. Right. So I think really just the, the type of calls and the volume of calls we've had has led to what you guys were just saying, that if you're not hired to be there, you're not going to be there. Instead of before, people... Kind of just hung out. It's a vicious, vicious circle. You you have strictly volunteer call company. You get too busy, so you hire per diems. The per diem program will kill your call company eventually. It's like you've got paid people there. You hire, then you get busy enough to hire full-time staff. That's going to hurt your per diem program and completely annihilate your call company. The busier you get, you have to change your staffing model, and it just... It's a vicious circle. When you're super busy, it would be great to have your full-time staff and, you know, 60 active call company people show up for different types of calls. But, but like you said, they, 
why, why am I going to come out to this car crash? I, don't, I can't go to the station to get a fire truck because they're on the road That's already. already gone, yeah. You guys get there before I can even get out of my house and handle it. Ah, screw it. I'm not going to go. Right. And that just, it builds and it's just that vicious circle. Right. Compounding. Yeah. And then you finally get a structure fire and you see people there and you're like, you still do this? Exactly. <laughs> Your gear has been collecting dust in the corner for the last eight months. Uh-huh. Do you still know how to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my truck. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Hey, don't blame me. I'm just saying. Just calling it how I see it. Don't play with that wire. <laughs> All right. All right. So next topic was mental health. Oh boy, we touched on that right then mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, people getting burnt out of, um, of not really having the hours they want or not really having the calls that they want. And there are yeah. Builds up. So many stressors that it's well. Go it, ahead. Well, the last few days, in <laughs> my lovely community in a neighboring community, we had. Three homicides, two, two days back to back. Um, one of them, two of my live-in students, who one is 19 years old and the other one's 20 years old, were one of the first ones in the building and encountered that situation. It's, I don't know what there is to say about it. I, we you got to we, jump all over it. We have a history of not taking care of ourselves, generally speaking. I mean, look at this... Uh, Physique. Physique <laughs> of a long-time public servant. Um, I, I think things are getting better. I think we're starting to recognize that, you know, we're, we're losing more firefighters every year to suicide than to fires. Eh, somebody's starting to wake up. People are starting to wake up to that, that fact. Um, I think we're doing a lot better. I just... We're talking about it a lot more. We are talking. It's it's out in the open. We, te- twenty years ago, we wouldn't have oh, never even no. said this. No, never. You know, it's, no, you're, you know, get over it. This yeah. is what this is the job you chose. Do it. Yeah, uh, you're a big tough guy. You know, um, we've been fortunate in, in Standish where, um, like for example, just a, this shirt that I'm wearing. I I designed these shirts and sold them. Uh, as a fundraiser for the Code Green Campaign, which is a, a national organization that brings awareness to uh, mental health issues and public safety. Um, sent them a check for a little over two grand. Nice. Um, and the city of Westbrook decided they liked the idea as well, and they implemented it as well. They took a shirt, almost the same shirt, put their logo on it, and I think Wednesdays are their Code Green days. Nice. So it, it's slowly kind of trickling into the yeah. everyday consciousness. Um, but I, I, I think we are doing a very good job, but there's still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I think just keeping, keep talking about it and bringing it up and checking in on each other. Yeah. You know, you, you were going to check on you if you got physically injured at a fire or a medical call. You know, psychological and mental injuries are very real as well. And, and much more common. And much more common. And so... They, they mask better than physical injuries, too. Exactly. You know, a lot of times if you go to a really traumatic scene, somebody's going to ask you if you're all right, and it, it probably isn't going to hit you right then anyways. You know, no, it, one's, no one's walking away thinking, oh, I'm, I'm 
screwed up from this. You know, it's, you're probably going to be all right. Exactly. And then a couple of weeks later, you might kind of think about it a little bit more. And you, and you don't know what the trigger is going to be. Right. I mean, you could go to the most horrible call you could imagine and be completely fine. Or you could go to a dog and get hit by a car, and that just sets you off. So just keeping an eye on each other because nobody else will. I mean, you you got to watch out for your family, and this is a family. This this business, we're all family members. And just keeping an eye out for each other and checking in and keeping the conversation going. Watch over your swamp. (laughs) My swamp. Don't you touch it. (laughs) Well, that's it. it. I mean, you have to – I mean – we've experienced it and, and yeah there's been and it's days hard for us yeah because like like you said we're been in this field for a while and we come from that generation where you just don't talk about it and i'm sure for you and especially for me it's hard to have those conversations especially when you're just not used to it i mean we have several people that you know hard conversations have to be had and it's just like how do we do that how do we approach this and it's just one we're not trained and two we weren't raised that way right Right. yeah it's like you you know your father stepfather whatever number one number two whatever it was would be like oh i'll give you something to cry about (laughs) right now you just look at your employee and you're like what are you doing i'll give you something to cry about and you're like you realize i am screwed up I think one of the one of the important things is, especially if you get younger people into your departments, whether it be living students or just younger members. Um, it may sound kind of weird, but if if you're a rusty old veteran like all of us, um, and they see you, not Ed, except for Ed, except the for me, rest of us old. Right. Um, over here in the corner, it's fine. If, if they see you, might have hard, had a hard time with a call, and they see you struggling, they see you asking for help, they it becomes part of that culture and right you know. it's kind of like mayday yeah right exactly it's exactly like it you Don't. talk about it you learn how to do it you and just get in the habit and don't I mean, be afraid to say it no nope. right. if you need it you need it yeah. and it's it is it's a habit people need to see it i mean we for years we never had any critical incident debriefings until um chief moen came in and then he started implementing them and then after um, bad calls, you'd call them up and bring them in. But prior to that, I don't remember us having anything. No. I mean, I think my old uh, rescue assistant chief would bring us out to the bar and we'd get a couple of drinks, not say a word, and then go call on our good. way. Yeah. yeah. That was it. Can we that's bring the... that one back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's Ed, so. <laughs> speaking of hard conversations, Ed, this is really just an intervention, that's what <laughs> right? Which is which is one of the faults we talked about before. That's how you get guys into drinking because that's how they fix their problem. And next thing you know, they become an alcoholic, and you have a whole nother issue. Oh yeah. So now you have two issues, that. right? And we're yeah. dealing with it. Then you can't. It's a hard. Then you got to pay the member more when they're on shift because they got to afford the bar bill at the end of the night. It just it's a vicious circle. The worst. No, it it really is a tough situation to deal with. Um, Well, everybody shows differently. Everybody handles it differently. There's no, there's no one answer. 
even to recognize it, and then there's no one answer on how to address it. Well, there's common signs and symptoms that everybody has. Like, as much as we all think we're unique butterflies, we're not. <laughs> we're all biomechanical machines. We all respond to stress similar. Not exactly the same, but similar. So if you're trained to see it, you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And it's okay, not one list, but it's several are lists. trained to, to see it, though? I don't know. Not many. <laughs> I mean, like, like I just finished my the bachelor's degree in psychology, and we covered a whole semester on it. And, like, literally, I'm just like, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. Right. This person's screwed. <laughs> this person's screwed. I'm just like, man, we are yeah, messed up. We are a mess. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it is covered up quite frankly. And then there's other times where somebody's the same for so long, and then all of a sudden you see a change. I have a, a family member that has been in the service for years, She's seen all kinds of things. She went to one call that was, it was bad. And it wasn't as bad as other things that she's seen. But that was the one that got her. After that, her attitude changed. She had nightmares. She couldn't sleep. Had a bunch of issues. And then just thought that she could work her way through it. And finally had to ask for that help. Got the help. Got what she needed and is back on track again. But I wouldn't have believed it to see it. I've seen a bunch of stuff. And you'd think that if you saw something bad, it would trigger you then. And you're like, oh, that didn't really bother me. So you go to the next one. That didn't bother me. Well, this didn't bother her for years, like 20 years. Well, that's the trigger. And then one call got her. Not the trigger. But that's the thing, though, is that, like, we all know as fire professionals that that's how it works. Or we should know. Like you said, it's publicized. We're talking about it. We all know how it works. Now, whether somebody can hide it good, that's, I've seen some people that can put on some great masks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I put on some great masks before, but there's always things like if you think back, because I'm thinking of one of my good friends that ended up committing suicide. And after he committed suicide, I thought back, there's always like little things that you think back that like, oh, that was it. That was it. Oh, I should have paid attention. Or when he said something like that, something um, in the past, I won't mention it. I should have spoke up then and I didn't. Yeah. You know, there's all you, you just miss them. You just kind of blow it off as, oh, well, that person's being dramatic, emotional and stuff. But I mean, we all know the signs and symptoms. We all know we try to hide it. It's just like we're just not used to talking about it. But yeah. now we are over the past, uh, when did the Code Green? It's five years? At the most. Yeah. Five, three to five years. We just started bringing it up and talking about it. And us, older generation i mean we kind of got to relearn on how, how we do things and how we handle things my i'm not pointing out myself very oh, much included oh, yeah. so well it's uh, you know we have to we have to put on the social worker hat and how many of us have actually done social work you know it's i mean you, for me i there's there's so many things that i have to do and and for my own well-being to know that I'm doing right by my employees and it's just it's it's overwhelming like where when is when right you know and you you are in an unenviable position as a chief is you can watch out for your people and I'm sure you do I know you do Mm. as most chiefs do who's watching out for you exactly luckily you have a strong family unit some people don't have that. Right. Uh, you know, direct family. You, you have your fire family. And that's why I, 
you know, as paramedics, we have to keep up on different changing things, different right. protocols, different science, different information that's part of the job. And the fire side is the same way, new techniques or old techniques coming back around right. because we've discovered they work the best. But that's another whole topic altogether. <laughs> uh, Add that to the list. Uh, All right. No, fire actually, nozzles. Actually, no. <laughs> actually don't because we're, we're crushing time right now. But that's just one of those things. Just, you know, keep up, you know, read an article once in a while and, right. and keep up on different information. Keep your eyes open, your ears open, and just try to progress. All right. It's like the... Um, uh, what was the article we read for our little depressing Christmas article? See something, say something. It was like the um, Homeland Security thing after 9-11, right. but for mental health. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I'm talking about. Like, we all see it, like, whether we want to admit it or not. We all see the cracks in people's foundation, but we're always just like, we're from that generation. And it's like, oh, well, suck it up. It's like my kid. He comes to me with a bloody nose. And I was like, if it's not broken... And the blood's still in your body. Suck it up. You're fine. But right. we can, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> right. well, we're at the point. We're it. at that critical point where there are a lot of suicides, yeah. and it's because we haven't been dealing with it. But also, like as a coworker, you know, from a coworker standpoint, when you see something, even if you recognize it, you kind of sit there and think, well, what am I gonna? How am I gonna fix that? You know, like what what do I? What role do I play in this? Like, what do I even say to this? Right. Person? Exactly. Yeah. You can. You can. Like it can be blatantly obvious, and you can be shocked, and you'll just sit there and go. You don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not comfortable. It's yeah. it's not comfortable. It, Awkward. It, well, I mean, yeah. you, it, like it's the like best me. you can come up with is "you okay, buddy," and that's right. like the <laughs> I was gonna say that's the that's the uh, quintessential Ed line. You okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Don't don't. don't it's cry. like no. me and the awkward like. I have an issue with grown men crying. Like, I don't know what to do. I shut down. And I'm like, I, okay. <laughs> um, want me to call Brian for you? <laughs> um, yeah. What's the next step? Uh, yeah. Do I, do I offer a tissue? Um, so. Yeah. But just stay on it, you know. And so in answer to yours, if you don't know what to say, make that offer, but then let somebody else know. Yeah, find find somebody more yep. more well suited to to deal with it, or raise yeah. it to their attention. Anyway, absolutely. Yeah, don't be the last to know. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way to phrase it. You know, find find somebody that uh, that that can help. Somebody that has that professional knowledge or knows how to organize that professional knowledge and get. You know, just like if someone were injured. Exactly. You know, find them the help they need. Yep. And how to get there. Awesome. Where are we at on time? How That's we good. Doing? No, we're doing good. Yeah, we're doing good. Let's let's bring the let's bring stuff back out. Let's talk about something fun. What's next? <laughs> Regionalization. Ooh, that's always a good one. No, what was it? Mm. Uh, Municipal what? efficiency. There I'm you gonna go. remember Ooh, that like eventually. That. Municipal efficiency. It's uh, starting to catch. People are starting. I, I like it because you're right. I mean, some, sometimes, especially in this career field, uh, words can get stigmas. And that's all it takes is to make one word or one phrase and then boom, that, that officer isn't listening anymore. <laughs> while, we're, while we're on this topic, just want to throw out a happy birthday to Chief Tupper, who was our guest. Oh, yeah. Go, I birthday saw that I saw Very nice. On Twitter face or whatever happy it was. Happy birthday, Chief. <laughs> Yeah, so um, 
I mean, what did we come up with? Basically that, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be your end-all, be-all. You're not going to save a billion dollars your first year, but uh, it seems to be the most efficient way to get the most amount of work done. Well, yeah. We start, basically, fire and EMS in the state of Maine is not a sustainable business at our current model. And we just keep ignoring it, and the Maine EMS... Through it. Maine EMS <laughs> just keeps going, oh, well, we're doing this legislation where Medicaid will now pay you yes. 20% <laughs> instead of five, and that will help out all your EMS businesses. Meanwhile, our small departments are like uh, unfunded mandate. Uh, you now need this, uh, this staffing requirement. We changed this rule, and we're going broke. And then we're like, well, we can't get an ambulance on the road. We've got to go to the taxpayers. The taxpayers question us. Luckily, here in Casco, they're very supportive, but somebody's got to pick up that bill, and it's going to get to the point where we're only going to be able to provide a certain level of service before we just tank or we need to increase. So, yeah. Steve, you guys are already doing some of this over in your area. Aren't you tied yeah. in with Gorham yeah, uh, on some stations? Yep. Yeah, uh, actually, it's, it's Gorham that has started the whole thing. There's North Gorham. We have an engine in North Gorham. We have Standish Engine, Gorham Tanker. Uh, they share a station in South Wyndham with Wyndham and Gorham Apparatus. They've had that forever, too. North Scarborough has a Gorham Tanker. Which is a thousand gallons company. with no dump tank. Yeah. It's a tanker. Tender? Tender. It's a tender, right? In a, in a Scarborough engine. They've done the share thing for years. And uh, in, in we're starting, you know, we cover EMS for the town of Baldwin. It's that's our responsibility. They they have they, EMS providers there. No, no. That's that's so a, that's another they, project. So there's no there's no, there's first, no first responders. No first responders. Oh wow! But that's why you guys have built up Steep Falls Station. Correct. That's why bringing more people in that exactly. area because that can be a long ride. It's a long ride from Central. Um, I to go from Standard Central to Far Out Baldwin's about 25 minutes. So three. Steep Falls cuts about. 12 minutes off of that still a long still a time. long way but yeah. you wouldn't believe how happy the residents are that oh, we show I'm up sure. like you got here in a half hour thank you <laughs> um jeez no, so we do that we do a lot of mutual aid with uh, Lemington and uh well Buxton Gorham we we do a lot of mutual aid uh, well you're kind of central to a lot we, of places, we are so. we're kind of like the last outpost as you go west yep. uh, with a lot of really small communities that have limited resources, and that's great. I mean, that makes my job interesting. I, well, you guys got quite a bunch of major arteries running through. Exactly, one thirteen, twenty five, fourteen. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's technically kind of a regionalization concept. Um, if, if it was up to me, if I actually had some decision making ability, I would increase that. I'm very pro. Uh, was was it municipal municipal efficiency municipal efficiency i really like go. that <laughs> i'm very pro municipal efficiency um but you're one of like six <laughs> there, but there's a i will that say that done. the six are right around here like five of us are in this room <laughs> <laughs> because man that, that episode just... caused a lot of grief yeah oh. yeah I'm, I'll, I'll use a, a ladder truck as an example we have a 95 foot tower if you want to buy that brand new, it's about, about a million and a half dollars right now. Do we need one? And then does Gorham and Lemington and Sebago need to all go buy a million and a half dollar tower ladder? 
I'm just using as an extreme example. No. So, um, it's it's just as a taxpayer, it makes sense. As a provider, I would like I would love to see more municipally efficient <laughs> resource placement. I just yeah. throwing out words, but uh, <laughs> no. So anyway, yeah, I like the concept. I think there's a long way to go. We've kind of pick and choose how we do it now, but I think yeah. there's a long way to go. But I, I kind of think the mentality's changing. It is. I mean. Guys, like you're taking over to, as a chief here, um, you don't have that. This is the way we've always done it mentality, which I think I heard in a previous podcast is what one of the two things that yeah. fire people hate as a saying. The way things yeah. are. The way things change. are and change sucks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, all Baby these topics, steps. we could talk for like six hours on every single one of these topics. Right. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, but. No, baby steps. That's the way to do it. I, I think that's you know. the only way to go. In Maine, people in Maine are very stubborn. Yeah. You know, we, we're all, we've always been stubborn and stuck in our ways. So yeah. baby steps is the only way to go. I think looking at some of those towns that already have their resources spread out like that uh, to try and get some sort of model or idea of how it works it would be huge, too. Absolutely. I just don't want to see, if, if we kind of embrace the model, I don't want to see anybody try to reinvent the wheel. Cause oh, it's, it, all, it, it's all we'll, been done. It's we'll been try done. It, go down south and go out west. Yeah. It's been done for decades. Yeah. Just yeah. copy them. It works. So. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're in public safety. We love reinventing the wheel. Yeah, that is very true. We've also talked about the other problem, that it's just power. Some people don't want to give it up because they're afraid they won't be able to make the decisions. Right. And eventually, like you mentioned, you know, our current fire and EMS system, financially speaking, is, is just not sustainable. No. Some changes have to be made well, eventually. Financially and personnel-wise. Yes. Like, we're, we're literally, like, we, we joked around the marsh or swamp, but that pool's getting smaller and smaller as people leave and move on because a lot of people can't make a living out of no. this. And when that pool disappears or dries up, these departments will well that's something as we were talking about per diems that you know if your town has per diems and the next town over has per diems and the next town over has per diems then you can get 40 hours in per diem work between those three departments but if one or two of those departments st starts going full-time and taking away from that per diem bank you might not be able to make your 40 hours with the one department that now does per diem so you're gonna go find another job and now when you're trying to fill those per diem shifts alongside your full-timers, you, you, you kind of start losing your swamp. The circle. Well, it's, I mean, it's a double-edged right. sword. What Not do you the do? circle. It's oh, really no. described as a spiral, yeah. I think, is what I was picturing. <laughs> the other part yeah, of absolutely. that, it, like goes back to, it goes back to personnel. <laughs> to, to fill these per diem and full-time positions, these people have to be trained to a certain standard. And when there's so many mandatory things and, and such a hard time for our guys to get to those standards and meet those requirements, myself included, there's a couple of certifications that are holding me back because I'm struggling getting them because of my full-time job. And just schedule-wise, I can't fill some of these spots because I don't meet the criteria. Right. And it's it's just a vicious, vicious circle that it is. I you know to to fill these spots, they need to have the training. To have the training, you got to get them in. To get them in, you have to. You know, keep them busy and, and make them happy, and it's just... Yeah. The days of, here's a coat, helmet, and some boots. Yeah. Go spray some wet stuff on the hot stuff. Those days are over. Yep. So, 
it's difficult because I mean the amount of times that we've I'm sure here as well but other departments have taken on somebody and they walk through the door all gung-ho and yeah you give them the gear you send them to training and then next thing you know they move or this is too much for me too much got a new job just had a baby whatever else yeah and now you just wasted all that money all that time to train these people and they're gone and you're just going to start back at school. Well, there's, a, there's a certain percentage. Like when we were two separate departments, like um, people used to have that debate all the time. Well, we'd put them through paramedic school. We'll get them fire one and two. And then they would leave us once their contract is up. Yeah. And I, I used to always debate with them. I was like, that's a good thing for us. Like we're a pr- part-time per diem department. If we've trained somebody, the way I viewed it is if we trained somebody to the level that a full-time department wanted them, we did good. Yeah. Like, we're not here for people. A per diem department was not designed for people to stay on for 20-plus right. years as a career. Per or really even yeah. to make a living. Right. You know, no one was... Unfortunately, a- our system in the state of Maine, that's what we have to do. Yeah. If you want to be a firefighter, EMT as a career... You're going to work some per diem jobs. You're going to work some awful jobs. Mm-hmm. Very true. It's and hard. some may see it as a waste, but it's an investment. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a cost of doing business. I mean, it kind of comes down to the retention part. And right. sometimes you just can't control it. You could have right. the best department in the world, all the benefits in the world. They may be having a great time and just life happens. Right. Like I said, say move. You know, you're not going to keep someone from moving, you know, unless unless it is a full-time position or something like that. But from from point A to point B, someone walking off the streets, not knowing anything about it, to making a career out of it and keeping them in one department is unheard of. I think one of the big big things to have is a progression, a progression ladder. Everybody's goal-oriented, and you've got to have those marks that people can reach for. And if you keep shoving people in these holes and making them officers when they haven't met the standards or do this or that and block that goal from another person – it just ruins their track. And they're like, why am I wasting my time doing this if I'm never going to meet my goal because they filled it with somebody that didn't do the same ladder. And I think some of it, in my opinion, is that these departments need to have that progression ladder set and actually hold people accountable and follow those steps through to get to those spots so you can drive that person to get to that next step. Going, hey, if I get this class in this class, I can apply for this position. When I get in that position, I can take this class and this class, and I can go to the next position. But when people are leaping over you and stuff, I've had that issue in some of my departments I've worked with where people have leaped by me, and I'm like, well, what am I doing all this for? Right. If I'm just going to get shoved in the corner, it's a total waste of my time. Yeah. And then you get other departments that do nothing but throw training on your lap and say, hey, we want you to take this class. We'll pay you to take this class. Do this, do that. I wish all the departments were like that. Well, that, yeah, that's that's a different issue. That's morale. <laughs> I won't talk about that because I'll get in trouble. Yeah, but, but what I'm getting <laughs> Just, at is well, it's, morale it's, it's, and no, staffing and per diem. No, and I, I understand all what you're talking about. Ball mess. Like you look at both from the outside in, you look at two or three departments, and you go, okay, it's the same system. It's the same. They're doing the same job. They have the same setup, same response plans. Why does this person have all these employees and this person? everyone's scattering well it's leadership it's morale and people don't every fire department whether we like to admit it standish windham blah 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 every fire department does the same job it's the same entity it's the same thing 
We all put out fires, we all respond to EMS calls, we all extricate calls. We all do the exact thing. People go to different fire departments for their chiefs, for their leadership. It's, right? all, it's all culture, absolutely. Right. It's act, exactly, culture. Like, so it's not the fire department itself, it's who's running it is what I'm getting at. It's, it's morale, because mm -hmm. you, you can look, every department does, uh, am I wrong? Like some departments do more and stuff like that, but it's all the same job. No, but, and what I'm saying is you look at all these components we talked about, the, the leadership, the training, the, it's just one huge ball of mess, like a, 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 a big yeah. wound up thing of, of Christmas lights that we got to unravel. Well, we started and off go, with okay, training well, at the beginning. Are they even, are they even yeah. working? Like, let's check these lights and see if one's working. Because you know if one goes out, they all go out. <laughs> training is a whole different thing. We don't want to get there. Uh, I've, we've preached about standardizing training across uh, the board for everyone, and it's just not going to. It's not going to work quite yet. I think a lot of it is uh, just just organizing everything, recognizing what needs to get done and how how to do it. Um, so we we kind of talked about how your your upper management, your officers, can uh, affect morale. Um, I think an issue that I have run into, and kind of like you were saying, with people getting jumped over and different classes being held and what, whatever else. Um, those officer roles need to be defined. They need to have, they need to have goals. They need to have expectations, and they need to have their own uh, things that they need to accomplish. Because I think a lot of times, especially in smaller departments, people can fall into these positions because these positions exist and need to be filled. And you may throw the most qualified person in there but they don't know what that role entails. I was gonna say, you get, I, I liked how you put it that way because I was gonna say you gotta be careful with most qualified. Because like somebody could have, be quote, most qualified or the perfect fit for that position and then have the worst personnel skills in the world yeah. and completely trash your department. Right. There's a difference between educated and, what is it? Educated and skilled, educated and efficient. <laughs> there's, a, there's a million uh, things uh, we could fill yeah. But what, what you were saying about having those goals and accountability, that, that follows up to the other leadership to go, okay, this person's been in that role for three months and we haven't seen any progress forward. It's either time to nudge that person in the right direction or move that person out of the way and get somebody else in there I think yeah. you're, you're, to hit those goals. Or, or do I think your what logic we is flawed, though. With, uh, what we were because talking about with personnel, that if you in order talk to them and then you go, well, they haven't done anything, Ask them, yeah. what, what have you done? Well, you haven't asked me to do anything. Well, here's what you're responsible for. It's on this paper you signed when you got the position. Right. Why haven't you done any of these things? Yeah. I think your logic is flawed, though, because with your, with your scenario, they have somebody above them that is pointing out and creating responsibilities and creating expectations for them. If you have somebody, if somebody was put in that position that don't, doesn't deserve it, there's already an issue at the top. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so they're think, not going mean, to be they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're promoted. They're not going to go back and be like, oh, yeah, well, um, you're not meeting these expectations. You're not doing this. You were never really qualified, but I put you in that. They're not going to do that. But you, you're dealing with you're dealing with two different schools, too, from. You were put in the position because you were committed, let's say, right from the old school, old school, we didn't have standards. 
We didn't I, have I in so many ways. We well, <laughs> I mean, for a job description, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, the qualifications, um, like you guys are saying, those certain benchmarks, you didn't always have those. You were Ooh. you were put into that position because you were you were around a lot, or right. you know. You, you contributed significantly. It was more of a reward for what yeah. you were doing versus because you're a good fit for right. that position. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, I get what you're, what you're trying to say. Uh, yeah, it, it was based kind of on um, an appreciation, kind an of appreciation and friendship scale. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. So I mean, yes. now we have all these certifications. And right. All, but and it, stuff it like still that. doesn't it matter. Right. It means nothing in certain departments. Right. right. But I mean, you can put an officer in an officer's position and say, "All right, you're in charge of training." Okay. Am I in charge of uh, designing those trainings? Am I in charge of everything involved with it? Do I schedule those? Do Do I have another person that I have to clear this with? Do you know, what? What part of this do I control? What powers do I have? If I have, uh, you know, truck, a truck captain position, okay, can I change something on this truck and let you guys know? Or do I still need to clear this with somebody? Am I responsible for checking this truck every time it comes back? It, right. There's yeah. no definition of what... <laughs> I, I'm laughing at you because you're trying to use logic <laughs> for the fire service. <laughs> like, what you say makes sense, but... Not it doesn't happen it, in real life. It's <laughs> that transition from what Brian was just saying that you've been awarded this. Congratulations! Here's a pat on the back and a nice pin and a different colored helmet and a different colored jacket. Versus, we need you to perform this job. Here's you know here's this your new job. job. This is, is this job. is funny because this like right here, that's the youth and optimism versus <laughs> old age, salty and, and being a cynic. Like, that's great, but that doesn't happen. Well, that's that's what I get frustrated They're like, oh, I hear, man. Well, I hear you, it all the time. Well, this person this... doesn't deserve that job. They haven't done anything. Well, what would you tell them to do? Well, they got awarded this, this position. Fantastic. What did you tell them to do in that position? Job well, they should know. They're... Job descriptions. <laughs> it's more of a guideline. Yeah. Well, they change. It all depends on what the chief needs done that day. Right. But then they Sometimes get upset. Sometimes you white out a line and add a line. Like, then they oh, get on upset when nothing's done. That's like, why it's a word document. It's, but it's what you talk about all the time with accountability. If you don't give them something to be accountable for, you can't pursue them and be upset right. that they didn't get it done. Right. They can't. They're not mind readers. Right. I, t I tell that mostly to new officers or new people in charge. Well, they're not doing this. They're not doing that. Well, did you set clear expectations and tell them what to do? No, they should know it. Right. They, they can't read minds. That's right. It's the simplest, right. simplest form of things. That's why you budgeted for more ink and more paper, right? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're getting... We'll, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Do we, I, I hate that I thought about that at the very end. of like. Well, like, the we problem is, is all, we've circled and circled oh, and yeah. circled. And the problem is, is like um, Steve said, all of these could go on we could probably keep talking for like two hours did we, did we cover oh, yeah. all the topics we had on our list probably yeah pretty close probably. Steve, <laughs> steve do probably. you have anything else to say thanks for coming today hey no problem thanks for inviting me no, i i got nothing else um liar sorry we weren't as as organized as we could have been no well, we're no, never i, like, I kind of like the <laughs> would you would you come back <laughs> again 
Probably. That's a no. Did you hear when we're not recording? <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you saying earlier about awkward? Yeah. <laughs> uh, awkward. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> just say it. Just say no. It's fine. No, I, I, I just think, and I'm sure everybody agrees, it's, it's the greatest job on the face of the earth. I'm a little PO'd at myself that I didn't get out onto the street 20 years ago. Right. Not because I'd be retired by now and living on the beach in uh, <laughs> Naples, Florida or something. Right. Um, but uh, I, I just... Like I said, I love this business, and I, I want to see it do well, and I want to see everybody do well. And it's it's like having a kid that's maybe a little slow. Special. You have so much help, help, so much hope for them, right? And it's like, no, that ain't gonna happen. I, <laughs> no, it, it, it our, is our, our special yeah. kid of the fire service. I, I want it to do well, and I want it to succeed. And yeah. I just take a lot of ownership and pride in it. And Absolutely, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's no, it really energy. is. It's such a unique job because actually my sister asked me the other day, what would you do if you retired? Because I was just having an awful day after one of my jobs and just wasn't, wasn't loving the fire service at yep. that moment. And I was like, there was, there's nothing I would do after nothing. it. Like, and there's that, that thing you see on the face Twitter. The, um, the you, face Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to use that for now. On. The Insta LinkedIn. It's, it's better than some of the things that you like, could be saying right, right now. So. But I, I kind of want to get it for like the doors here. It's, it's like a quote that says, you get to do this job. Exactly. And I, I love that sticker. Oh. And it's like, that is probably what bugs me. Probably it's, it's in my top five of people that come in here and they complain and they whine and they're just um, how do I say it self entitled mm-hmm. and it's just like there are so many people that would want to be in your shoes right now that's, you're going to sit here and important. complain like you you can just leave there's a door there there are lines of people yeah. that want to do this that can't right the fact that yeah. we do get to do it right just don't forget and that, that yeah. every day you come to work just remember that right. fact. that just bugs me the most is that they're just um, I don't know what to say unappreciative maybe what am I trying to say anybody they're just, no, I, I think no, no I'm going to let you dig yourself in this <laughs> hole that's, uh, well that's yeah. fine <laughs> no, and you, I don't care but you said you were having a bad day we all have a bad day yeah. and sometimes yeah. we need our brotherhood and our sisterhood yeah. to kick us in the pants and go remember why you're here right yeah. sometimes See you, don't you, tomorrow. Like, you don't like your spouse very much at a certain moment yeah but you can't you, imagine life without you them. sleep right. on the right. couch and the next yeah, exactly you sleep yeah. on the couch and the next morning you have breakfast together exactly yeah. but yeah we get it to might do be with rat job. poison <laughs> if you don't want to do this job and you're complaining <laughs> about stuff leave please please except yes. for weekends yeah. and holidays apparently yeah. <laughs> there's always houses to build and toilets to unplug yeah. all right on that Much note um, happy father's day everyone thank you, thank you steve thank you thank you thanks for coming out thanks guys invite you back it was fun. I enjoyed it. We'll have Ed actually pick a topic and come up with questions next oh, time. Boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have a good night. Thanks. Thanks.